Hello, and welcome to the Allergy, Immunology, and Inflammation Assembly podcast. In today's podcast, I am very pleased to share a recap of the recording from our webinar on the American Board of Internal Medicine's Longitudinal Knowledge Assessment for Physicians Certified in Pulmonary Disease, Critical Care Medicine, and Sleep Medicine. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you find this informative. Hello, and welcome to the American Thoracic Society Assembly on Allergy, Immunology, and Inflammation webinar. Today, our webinar is entitled, The New Longitudinal Knowledge Assessment, ABIM Updates for Physicians Certified in Pulmonary Medicine, Critical Care Medicine, and Sleep Medicine. During today's webinar, we will discuss novel approaches for the maintenance of certification for pulmonary disease, critical care medicine, sleep medicine, internal medicine that have recently been created as well as accommodations that have been made during the COVID-19 pandemic. Our presenter today is Florence Mickens, who serves as the Program Operations Manager for the American Board of Internal Medicine. In addition, we have three discussants for today's webinar. First, Dr. Laura Evans, who is a professor in the Division of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine at the University of Washington, Medical Director of Critical Care at the University of Washington Medical Center, and Chair of the American Board of Internal Medicine's Critical Care Medicine Board. Secondly, Dr. Lynn Tanoe, who is a professor in the Division of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine at Yale University School of Medicine, Vice Chair for Clinical Affairs for the Department of Internal Medicine, Director of the Lung Cancer Screening Program, and the Chair of the American Board of Internal Medicine's Pulmonary Disease Boards. And lastly, Dr. Gomez Vizalobos, who is an Associate Professor in the Division of Pulmonary Critical Care Sleep Medicine at Yale University School of Medicine. Thank you to everyone for attending today's webinar. And without further ado, we'll move on to today's presentation. We're going to start off today's presentation with opening remarks from Drs. Evans and Tanoe. Dr. Tanoe, will you start us off? Hi, everyone. It's nice to be on this webinar with my colleagues from ATS. I'm the chair of the ABIM Pulmonary Board. In terms of disclosures relating to ABIM, we're basically not allowed to share any content of the examination with you. So please don't ask any questions about that. Um, uh, but I don't have any disclosures other than that related to this discussion. So I'm going to give you a, a brief history of how we got to the uh, Longitudinal Knowledge Assessment, also known as the LKA. And then actually, Laura is already participating in this, and so that she'll follow up with her perspective on, on how it's going. And so I think all of you are aware that ABIM certification starts with the initial certification examination that you take after you finish your fellowship. And basically your program director signs off on your ability to sit for that examination. Years and years and years ago, ABIM gave that authority to our fellowship programs because there are simply too many physicians in internal medicine and related specialties to be able to have oral boards. And so we are one of the boards that does not require an oral examination written. And your initial certification actually is valid for 10 years, and then you recertify. And really, probably a decade ago, in response to the diplomat feedback about the recertification process, ABIM started to look into alternative pathways to a 10-year recertification examination, which we call the long-form exam. And the first iteration of that really was the knowledge check-in, the KCI, which was launched, I don't know, five or six years ago. And it is a shorter cycle and maybe not as much pressure as the 10-year exam, but it still was imperfect. And so work on a kind of ongoing real-time assessment of competency started pretty immediately with the launch of the knowledge check-in. 
And that resulted in the launch of the longitudinal knowledge assessment. Well, at the beginning of this year for all the internal medicine uh, specialties, except for pulmonary critical care and infectious diseases. And that was because of the pandemic. And so basically pulmonary critical care and ID got a buy for recertifying in 2020, 2021. And then another grace year was added 2021 to 2022. And so that none of us who were due to recertify had to do so in this past couple of years. And so actually three years of us will be up for recertification in 2023. And so we've actually had the benefit of the other specialties experiencing the LKA, and I'll let Laura talk about that. But basically the launch in January, considering how big a change this was, and that change is typically terrible, uh, went really smoothly. And I hope Laura will speak to that with her experience. And um, I'll return afterwards for questions, but I'm going to let Laura uh, take the podium. Thanks so much, Lynn. Um, and before I kind of talk a little bit about um, at least some experience with the LKA directly, I, I want to thank ATS as well for hosting today, and especially Michelle and Jose for reaching out and putting this together. And I think both Lynn and I and all the ABIM staff are really pleased to be here and answer questions and hopefully demystify the LKA process a little bit and offer you some, hopefully some information that will help inform your choices and decisions as you move forward and decide about um, what pathway towards recertification works best for you. Similar to Lynn, I have the same disclosure slide with regards to ABIM and that I can't tell you any exam answers. I am participating in LKA um, from that. So in 2022 this year, um, I was both due for recertification in internal medicine. So I had initially certified in internal medicine, took one recertification exam via the long form and then 10 years had elapsed since then. So I was due for recertification in internal medicine as well. And I was also 10 years after initial certification in hospice and palliative medicine. So two um, specialties within the ABIM that were eligible to participate in the LKA from that. And I'm going to turn it back to Florence, who's going to go through a lot of the programmatic details about LKA, which I think will probably inform a lot of questions um, for that. And then I'll be really happy to sort of answer any questions about my experience so far, kind of what informed my decisions about taking the long form versus the LKA. Um, and again, it, it's very flexible. So I think the decision ultimately comes down to what you individually want to do and what makes sense for you wherever you are in life um, at that time. But I'll tell you what informed my decisions around the LKA as well as some potential pearls about how to, taking the LKA and, and the, what, what it's like so far. Like Lynn said, it's a new process, right? It rolled out at the beginning of 2022. So um, I think I've certainly learned a lot from the process so far. And then like Lynn said, I think overwhelmingly the experience from um, ABIM diplomates who have chosen to do the LKA option, the feedback so far has been very positive um, for that, but it may not be the right choice or pathway for everybody. So I think there is that flexibility there. Um, so without further ado, Florence, I'm going to turn it back to you um, to kind of go over the slide set overview from that, and then hopefully that will spark a lot of discussion. Thanks again for the opportunity. 
Thank you. As many of you are hopefully already aware, but for those of you who may not be, ABIM introduced the Longitudinal Knowledge Check-In this year, allowing diplomates to maintain board certification at a speed that works for them. ABIM has spotlighted a number of diplomates in its marketing materials. The individuals pictured here are current and former board members of ABIM's governance. So how we got to the LKA, Dr. Tanui walked us through some of the process. In 2018, we rolled out the knowledge check-in. We continued to work with the community to try to gather information about physicians' needs and their preferences. And from that feedback, the Longitudinal was born. Uh, This slide illustrates some of the outreach that was done during that period to try to hear from as many voices as possible. In 2022, 12 specialties rolled out the LKA. So if you're due for an assessment this year, you can enroll in an LKA until June 30th of this year, which would be the end of the second quarter. Three specialties, critical care medicine, infectious disease, and pulmonary disease will launch in 2023. Recruitment volunteers to help write ABIM questions typically start in the spring, which would have occurred during the early phases of the COVID-19 pandemic. So ABIM leadership consulted with physicians currently serving on its exam committees and item writing task forces in these disciplines and recognizing the increased clinical obligations they were faced with at the time, decided that it was not the right time to pull them away from patient care to help with question development. Any currently certified physician in these three specialties who had an assessment due in 2020, 2021, or 2022 can wait and enroll in the longitudinal assessment when it becomes available to them in 2023. If you're planning to participate in the LKA, it's a good idea to start early so you don't miss any questions. Questions expire at the end of each quarter, and you can't go back to answer them later. Any unopened questions will count against the 100 you can choose not to open over the five years. Now, let's take a little bit deeper dive into some of the program's key features. A big one is that there's no appointment necessary. Because each quarter, you're essentially setting your own schedule for when and where to answer questions, so no appointment. There's a four-minute allotment to answer each question and you have a 30-minute time bank that replenishes each year. The LKA provides immediate feedback, rationales, and references. There's a participation requirement in that 120 questions are offered per year, and you must open at least 500 of the 600 over the five-year cycle. Physicians can start engaging in the year in which their assessment is due. You'll have access to any resources used in practice, with the exception of another person. You'll earn 0.2 MOC points for each correct answer. And the performance standard is the feedback relative to the standard that'll be provided and a score calculated at the end of the five-year cycle. I also want to note that using the LKA for multiple certificates can make it very easy to achieve the 100 MOC point requirement that's due every five years. So over time, you'll be gaining so many points that you may find you don't need other activities. The participation includes built-in flexibility to allow for life circumstances, such as short-term medical issues, vacations, weddings, funerals, or other personal events. That is, you have an opportunity, if you need to or want to, to skip a particular set of questions, so long as you don't leave more than 100 questions unopened over the five-year cycle. 
As with other ABIM assessments, diplomates have an opportunity to earn MOC points. Those points will be calculated and added to your My Activities section in your physician portal. Diplomates don't need to do anything other than answering questions correctly to start the process of earning points. A summative pass-fail decision is made at the end of your five-year cycle. If you pass, you can choose to continue the LKA and begin a new cycle the following year. You would continue to be reported as certified throughout the five-year cycle as long as you're meeting any other MOC requirements. Or you could choose to take the traditional 10-year MOC exam the following year instead. You will be reported as certified during that year, and if you pass, your next assessment will be due in 10 years. If you do not pass at the end of the five-year cycle, you would enter the grace period, meaning you would have one year to take and pass the traditional 10-year MOC exam. You will continue to be reported as certified during the grace period as long as you're meeting all other MOC requirements. And here we give you a snapshot. This is what the LKA dashboard looks like. The four panes are designed to provide participants with valuable information regarding their progress in the program. Access to a score report will be available after you've answered enough questions for ABIM to give you a reliable score. For most physicians, that will happen at the end of the first quarter of the second year of taking the LKA. You'll then receive a score report each quarter as long as you are participating in the LKA. And I just want to note that the score report is different from the question history, which will be available about six months into the first year, and then it will also update quarterly. Physicians will continue to be for eligibility. Physicians who are currently certified will continue to be reported as certified as long as they're meeting the participation requirement and a decision on their performance is made in the fifth year. You won't be able to start the LKA before your assessment due year. For physicians certified before 1990, you also have the opportunity to choose the LKA. And again, it will be available in your due year. A physician whose certification has lapsed may use the traditional 10-year MOC exam to restore certification more quickly. Because the LKA is a five-year cycle and the pass-fail decision comes at the end of the fifth year, someone who is lapsed, who joined, who chooses the LKA, will continue to be reported as not certified until they have a pass decision after the fifth year. Any physician in their grace year is ineligible for the LKA and must pass the traditional 10-year MOC exam by the end of their grace year to continue to be reported as certified. And we wanted to touch on this question because it's one that we have gotten from physicians fairly regularly. What if I am maintaining more than one certificate? Diplomates who hold multiple certificates may choose to do more than one LKA. Each LKA is a separate full assessment. The number of questions offered through the LKA will be the same for all specialties. We're exploring models that may allow us to reduce the number of questions for disciplines that have overlapping content in the future. And one benefit of using, using the LKA for multiple certificates is that you'll still receive 0.2 MOC points for every correct answer, giving you even more opportunities to earn points. I also want to point out that for each certificate area, diplomates will continue to have the option to take the traditional MOC exam. Those remain available. You'll also be able to choose the LKA for some of your certificates and choose the MOC exam for others if you like. 
diplomates are also able to switch from the LKA to the MOC exam during their five-year cycle. So for example, you may do a year or two of the LKA and decide to switch to the MOC exam for the following year. That's a choice you'll be able to make. I like to just give this overview of the ABIM MOC program. At its simplest, it's earning points and passing an assessment. So to get into a little more detail, physicians need to complete at least one MOC activity every two years to be reported as participating in MOC. You need to earn 100 points every five years to stay certified. And I'll note here that your five-year point deadline may not line up perfectly with the end of your five-year LKA cycle, so you'll want to be mindful of the deadlines. Of course, you need to pass an assessment by your assessment due date. Just to touch a little bit on how the LKA helps to fulfill our MOC requirements, for the participation requirement uh, of earning some MOC points every two years, diplomates who are participating in the LKA will be earning points for every correct answer. And as far as earning the 100 MOC points every five years, diplomates can earn up to 24 points uh, per certificate per year with the LKA. And of course, the LKA is an assessment, so success on the LKA meets your assessment requirement. We want to walk through some important updates about MOC requirements. As uh, was touched on at the beginning of our presentation, due to the pandemic, ABIM has increased our program flexibility. So if you had an MOC assessment, attestation, or points due in 2020 or 21, you now have until the end of 2022 to complete them. Physicians certified in critical care medicine, infectious disease, and pulmonary disease have an additional year to complete requirements through 2023. And anyone currently in the grace period has been afforded an additional year to complete their assessment requirement. And finally, I would advise you to sign into your personalized physician portal at abim.org to check for any upcoming deadlines. That's always your best source for your individual requirements. And want to briefly mention our new ABIM Physician Portal app. ABIM collaborated with physicians to design the new user-friendly app with the ABIM Physician Portal app. It's never been easier to keep up with your MOC program requirements. The Physician Portal app allows you to track your MOC assessment deadlines, track your MOC points requirements progress, and customize your reminders for assessments, points, and payments. All of the information we share today and additional information, including an LKA platform demo video, can be found on our website at abim.org LKA. If you find you, we're going to take questions here today, of course, but if you find you have additional questions or questions occur to you later, please sign into your personalized physician portal at abim.org or you can call us. We're also available by email. And of course, you can find the demo available, the demo video available on our website. So I will say thank you, and I will turn it back over to Michelle to move us into the Q&A. Thank you so much for that presentation, Florence. I guess I'll ask the very first one. Um, it says, the ABIM used to release pulmonary and critical care knowledge assessment tests that would have allowed you to earn points towards MOC. Is the LKA replacing this since finding new ways to earn points has become very difficult? 
I'll, I'll answer the question, mm -hmm. uh, which I think came from Gwen. So that, um, Gwen, I think you're referring to the modules that used to be available on the ABIM website. And those were sundown, actually, when the um, knowledge check-in uh, was implemented. I think that's around the same time frame. And so the LKA, I think as was just explained, allows you to kind of double dip because you get credit, you get MOC credit um, while you're essentially taking the assessment. But there are still all the other ways to get MOC. Um, you get MOC if you report the sessions that you um, attended at ATS or, or uh, other pulmonary national meetings like CHEST. Um, you can get MOC by doing SEEK or other educational offerings from the societies. Um, you can get MOC just by using UpToDate, if you do that. Um, attending review courses, there, there's actually a huge list. Many institutions have conferences that actually will give you MOC uh, if you uh, record your attendance. That does require that those conferences have applied to be MOC granting, but many of our institutions have, have done that. And so hopefully that's a start on where you can get uh, MOC. I think the LKA uh, offers you the op opportunity again to get both to double dip, whereas the long form doesn't, but that's kind of up to you. And so I think uh, Laura was going to talk about her experience with uh, the LKA. And then I think Jose was actually going to um, offer some comments and then we'll go back to Thanks, Lynn. Um, the only other thing I would add is, is as Florence mentioned during the presentation is you have during the LKA, you have access to external resources, except with the exception of another person. Right? So I can't ask Lynn the answer to the question, but I can use resources like I would in practice to look up an answer, you know, within the confines of the four minute time limit for the question um, with that. So whatever your chosen resource is, I know many of us often choose to use up to date. And so you can also earn, it's sort of funny because you can earn MOC for answering the question correctly, and you can earn MOC for using up to date to help you answer the question correctly. So I logged into up to date too while I was doing the LKA questions. And so I was earning a lot of MOC points while I was doing it. Um, but Jose, I don't know if, if you wanted to talk through your circumstances and then I can kind of maybe use that as a launching point for sort of what, what factors went into different decisions. Yeah, thank you so much. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, this is something that was also mentioned on the on the chat and you know when you when most of us have like three different certifications at least um, i think that that's kind of like probably like the baseline for a lot of us in the society obviously it becomes a, a you know pretty pretty big task in terms of trying to keep up with uh, the certification requirement so um i guess the question one of the first questions that i have is um you know what what happens if you for some reason end up losing your certificate you know just you, you let it lapse uh for for any particular reason, are you eligible to participate in any of these alternative paths or uh, do you have to, to take the exam to be able to be eligible? Um, I, I'm happy to answer that. So yes, we know that physicians will, particularly when you have multiple certificates, right? You may decide um, that one of them, you're not going to continue to maintain it and let it lapse. If you have a lapse certificate, and it's in an area that offers the LKA, you are eligible to come in and um, enroll in the LKA. The important difference is that because your certificate is lapsed, it would continue to be reported as lapsed until you could show at the end of the five years that you had a successful pass. So if you, if you are not concerned about that piece, 
um, the remaining lapse for five years while you work through the LKA, then yes, the LKA is an option for you. We do mention that if you're looking to regain that certificate more quickly, then the point in time exam, the traditional 10-year MOC exam, would probably be a more suitable option for you. Okay, that's that's really helpful. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to follow up also on something that was mentioned in terms of, um, you know, again, there's a lot of overlap between what we do um, in, uh, in our specialty. So for some of these LKAs, the anticipation is that there's going to be some, some that can be potentially used for, for example, for pulmonary medicine or for critical care medicine. Um, and that the question is, uh, you know, how uh, somebody that is answering the questions and using the, uh, this path is going to know when the question that they're answering is going to account for both um, their pulmonary and their critical care um, certificate. Mm-hmm. Well, today we don't have an opportunity to answer a single question that would count for more than one uh, LKA. Each LKA that you enroll in will, is tied to a single certificate, and each one would have to be completed in its entirety. That is, you would have a five-year cycle for each you would be presented with 600 questions per each. We are looking for opportunities um, to make a change for those overlapping specialties, but that's not something we're offering today. Today, if you choose to do three LKAs for three certificates, you would have to complete each one in its entirety. So the way that looks, Jose, is, is like when I log in to do LKA questions, right, I'm in, enrolled in maintaining two certificates via LKA right now, internal medicine and hospice and palliative medicine. And so I get a different, I get a different little drop down. So I can do, choose the drop down to do questions in internal medicine, or I can choose the drop down to do questions in hospice and palliative medicine. So it's really two different question banks right now. One of the questions from the audience leads right into this. How do you know what percentage are correctly answered? And as you're go- do you know this as you're going through the process? Yeah, so right when you answer the question, you learn if you've answered it correctly or not. So it's sort of an immediate feedback loop for that. Um, there are some questions that are, are still sort of in the development process that you may not know that, but it, it discloses to you after you answer the question that this was a development question from that. And then if you've answered it incorrectly, you'll receive a brief rationale for that um, as to what the correct answer may have been and why your answer was not correct. They're, they're, very, they're short. So in, in contrast to some of our, the educational products that the professional societies produce where the rationales are very detailed, these are shorter. Um, but they do give you some immediate feedback on your performance regarding those questions. And so even in lieu of, you know, I haven't been enrolled long enough to have received a personalized score report to kind of know how I'm doing in different domains because I have to answer it, you know, sufficient bank of questions to, in order to get that sort of personalized feedback from that. But you, I can get some early signal as to, oh, oh I'm really not that good at outpatient diabetes management anymore because I don't do it that much. Um, so I'm getting some feedback about where, where I may have gaps in my knowledge. Leading into another question for any of the participants, what is the criteria for pass-fail at five years? The person asking the question assumed it's a percentage, but how do we know what the percentage will be? So there isn't a set cut score. Um, so we couldn't give you a number today because that's not how the scores are calculated. But you will see over time 
after the first year, you'll have answered enough questions. So early in the second year, you would be able to see how your performance is relative to the things you've answered. So you're not flying blind in terms of how your performance is going. And there's obviously the opportunity to improve your performance over the course of the five years. And this is Rick uh, Battaglia, Chief Medical Officer at ABIM. I would add that, you know, all of our assessments uh, do have a specific score um, that is the passing score. We do not mark on a curve, et cetera. And as Florence mentioned, the uh, dashboard that you have, once you accumulate uh, enough data, will tell you how you are doing relative to that passing standard. And uh, once again, as Florence said, you will not be flying blind. So you'll have fair warning in terms of how you're doing compared to the standard and uh, also, the dashboard will include areas where you may have some opportunities for improvement, areas to focus on as you move forward. Great. Thank you so much for the additional comments, Rick. Um, I know we touched upon this a little bit, but what is the value and benefit of keeping your internal medicine certification? Well, I'm happy to share why, I, why I've kept it. And, and Lynn, I admit, I don't know if you've kept yours or not. So maybe you'll, you can comment afterwards um, for that. Um, I've kept it because being, I feel like being an internist is important to my professional identity, even though my practice really right now is all critical care. Um, so I don't have a pulmonary practice. I really just focus on critical care, but um, being uh, an internist is important to how I think about myself professionally. And so that's really the fundamental reason I kept it. I know certain professional roles, um, you know, for those who are program directors in internal medicine and things, there are, there are professional requirements around that. For me, it's not a requirement, but it really is just a matter of, of, of seeing that as important to me um, personally is the reason that I've kept it. So I have not maintained my internal medicine certification. Um, obviously, it's not a requirement to maintain the subspecialty within internal medicine. Um, I know that a remarkable number of people do maintain internal medicine. I don't remember exactly what the number is, but it's high. Um, so I think many people, Laura, like you feel that that's a very important part of their ongoing education. And I'll leave it at that. I guess it's quite commendable. I think it's not necessary, but commendable. So one of the other questions we had was how to reconcile different timelines. How does this work for different pathways and how does this work for people with multiple recertification? Florence or um, anybody from? Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what they're uh, getting at. This might be one of those questions where if they call in and speak with someone about their individual timeline, it might be more useful, but I can give some general guidance. So for each of your assessments, you're going to have a due year. For your five-year points requirement, you have only one bucket of points that you need to earn. So if you once satisfied, it's satisfied for all of your certificates. With regard to making decisions around when I'm starting or which assessment pathway, that's going to be a personal decision based on the way you want to work and how close together your, your uh, deadlines may be and any other thing that's going on in your life, like what's going on in practice, what's going on at home. But the reason we have these different assessment types is to give you the ability to make those choices based on based on what you think will work best for you. So there's no, there's literally no one size fits all. So one thing is that you can mix and match if you want to. I would guess that most people on this call are 
withholding at least two active certificates because the majority of people who have a pulmonary board actually also sit for critical care and, and vice versa. It's remarkable how most people maintain both. Um, and so I think the simple answer is if you want to deal with something over only every 10 years um, and put probably a lot of effort into studying just before the board, what I think most people tend to do, including me, that's the simplest way, right? Just to maintain the long form examinations, which you would take every 10 years. Uh, if you want to mix and match to just try out the LKA, for example, your dashboard, actually your position portal on ABIM actually tells you where you're at in the cycle. So that that keeping track thing is done for you. Um, if you choose to do LKA and you have four certificates like Laura, um, I think you just keep doing all these questions and essentially you're sort of learning and probably not studying, but learning all the time. Uh, but you have a lot of questions coming at you uh, through the course of the year. So again, the, the keeping track thing is on your physician portal at ABIM, and it's really up to you how you want to mix and match keeping up um, multiple certificates if you're holding them. Dr. Evans, do you mind just talking a little bit about your personal experience doing it now, uh, how difficult it is to maintain the different timelines? I'm happy to. So yeah, like Lynn mentioned, um, I ha I'll have another decision coming up with 20 when I become eligible for recertification in pulmonary and critical care, which is for me is going to be in 2025. So for those, those are, I took the 10 year long form. And so those are active I'm doing the MOC points. So I have it's up until 2025 to make this decision when I would be eligible to make, to decide between LKA versus the long form for those. So I'm maintaining two certificates in the LKA right now, which is internal medicine and hospice and palliative medicine. Um, from that, and I, I kind of went through the same, kind of what Lynn was just outlining in her comments as to whether I wanted to participate this way or take the long form exam. And I was very much the same way that Lynn was, as I would sort of ignore it for nine and a half years and then start to be like, oh no, I have to recertify. And then I would spend a lot of weekends, um, you know, doing question banks and, and studying from that. And so I decided to give this a try to see if, if sort of this, this ongoing pathway of taking questions every quarter sort of felt better. Um, in terms of rather than this pressure around taking the, the higher stakes 10 year long form exam. And, you know, so far I'm two quarters in um, with that. So I've done, you know, 60 questions in each. So it's a relatively small sample um, from it. I will say I have found it um, very sort of user friendly. Um, it's easy to log in to do that. You can do it from different devices. You know, you can do it from an iPad or you know a tablet if you want to from that. I found it much easier to do um, from my like large monitor work computer because then I can have a resource open at the same time as the question. So I found that just as sort of like an efficiency piece that I prefer to do it that way rather than trying to answer them on my phone, for example, um, for that. And um, I found that it's, you know, you get four minutes per question. I think what we're seeing so far about the people who are enrolled in the LKA is on average, the question response time is around two minutes. So the four minute um, timeline for the questions feels pretty generous. Um, and then you have this sort of quest, this uh, optional 30 minute time bank that you can like, kind of, if you need more time on a particular question, you can add time from that time bank. Um, with that. So that that's kind of what I went through. So far, I will say my personal experience has been very positive for it. Um, it has been illuminating. I do think I've learned from this, the, I really like getting um, these sort of immediate feedback about whether I responded correctly to a question or not. And so I've found that to be very useful, just kind of pointing out potential gaps um, in terms of my internal medicine knowledge and hospice knowledge um, from it. So 
I think I will continue. Um, I'm certainly going to continue in the LKA for those two certificates for now um, and get a larger period of time under my belt um, to see how it works out from it. But and I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what the score reports look like, you know, when they come out after about a you know five in that fifth quarter to kind of see how that informs me. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you mentioned the time bank and we actually have a question about that. So when I answer a question early, can I get time bank and my time back to use later when I need it? No, you don't get any. So if you answer a question one minute, it doesn't add the remaining three minutes for that question to your time bank. The time bank is the 30 minutes that you have at your um, kind of disposal to use as you mm -hmm. see fit. Um, but again, I, I, you know, at least anecdotally from my perspective, the four minutes seems like a reasonable time frame for these questions and what we're seeing. And, and I don't know if Florence or anyone else from ABIM staff wants to come in. What we're seeing so far is that people are responding on average in about two minutes. One of the other questions in the, in the chat, is there a grace period for those who need recertification in 2021? I took my pulmonary boards in 2011. Um, is, is it the end of this year? Or, or I thought maybe it was the end of 2023. Right. So for pulmonary, that's one of the areas that will be rolling out in 2023. And so ABIM has uh, given an extension for assessments that would have been due in 20, 2021 and 2022 to be able to wait for the rollout of the LKA in 2023. So there's no downside to waiting. You can, uh, December 1st is when enrollment will open and you'll have the opportunity to indicate that you want to do the LKA or you can register for the traditional MOC exam. And I guess the follow-up question to that is when does your, um, so your uh, time, you know, like, like, like the clock starts running uh, at the beginning of 2023 or can you, for example, start answering questions like in the second uh, quarter or third quarter? Mm -hmm. So for the LKA, each year the questions are released in January, and so the quarter will run through March. At the end of each quarter, questions are no longer available to be answered. So while you can come in and enroll in the second quarter, you will have missed all of the first quarter's questions, and that will consume 30 of the 100 questions you're allowed to have unopened over the five years. Someone in the chat is asking if this is the same for critical care, is the grace through 2023? Yes, it's the three disciplines. It's pulmonary, it's critical care medicine, and now what am I? Infectious disease. And infectious disease. Right. How did I miss that one? It's the COVID pandemic. Thank you. <laughs> I, I will say this is this is Helene. I will say that um, we are speaking in generalities. Um, we would tell you to look at your portal just to be sure that there's nothing um, specific there um, for you. But when when we did the COVID extensions, we did so sort of across the board. But it's always good to check out your individual portal just to make sure um, that we're speaking specifically to your needs um, in regard to deadlines and and adjustments. So that is just sort of the blanket statement. I think we would all make that that each portal is individualized for the diplomat mm -hmm. um, specifically. Um, another question about like, um, so some of us decided to take the two-year uh, knowledge check-in. Um, so the time expires for that, you know, when does that expire? Uh, to be, And when are you required to start the knowledge, the, the new pathway? Um, mm -hmm. It's at the end of the two-year period, or uh, can you do it what towards the end of your second year? What, what, so, the... so I'll say two things about that. One, your 
assessment due date will be in your portal so you don't have to try to remember what the calculation might be. So that's useful to know. And two, if you passed a KCI, your next assessment is due four years later. So if you passed in 18, your next your assessment due date is 2022. If you passed in 20, 2024, right? Thank you so much. I know we've mentioned a little bit. I think Dr. Evans mentioned using up to date. Is there any other preferred MOC content just directly from ABIM or any other suggestions for MOC content? Well, ABIM doesn't usually call out preferred providers. I can say that through the partnership with ACCME, there are thousands of educational activities, many of them from society partners that we've worked with long before the ACCME partnership. So if you're looking for ideas about um, medical knowledge activities, you can visit the ACCME website and you can use, they have um, it used to be called CME Finder. I think it's called, might be called Passport now, but they have a tool for you to put in the area of study that you're interested in, the type of activity that you want. You can filter whether it's a paid activity or a free activity. You can filter in a variety of ways, um, whether it's a live activity or an enduring material, and find activities that suit your preferences and um, very fairly targeted types of criteria. And I will say all of the all of those activities that are registered in the CME Finder um, carry ABIM MOC. So there are there are thousands of activities now registered where you will get the the benefit of both the CME and the ABIM MOC. But do make sure if you're doing activities that carry MOC points that you're indicating that you want those points to be reported to ABIM because it's not automatic. You have to indicate to the provider that you're an ABIM diplomate, provide them with things like your ABIM ID and ask them to send that information to us. Then it shows up in your portal and we send you a notice letting you know we received it. That's my PSA for the <laughs> MOC points. Thank you so much, Florence. We have just a few more minutes, so I want to get to this last question. And it looks like maybe Helene got this a little bit in the chat. So Helene, correct me if I'm wrong. This is about if for a person who took the last pulmonary and critical care exam or critical care exam in 2011, if they begin the LKA for either in 2023, would they be considered certified until 2028, at which time their LKA score would become available or will become available? Um, the LKA does not provide five years of blanket certification. It is an ongoing engagement um, assessment option. So we are looking for that successful participation year over year. So someone who enters in 23 successfully participates in 23, their new certification date is 2024 and ongoing. So while the summative decision is made at the end of five years, we would be looking for that active participation year over year. And if a diplomate were to miss more than 100 questions, um, that person would then be removed from the LKA and would have to take the 10-year assessment um, in the following year in order to maintain certification. Florence, is there anything else you would add there? Um, I would just add that when you reach the end of the five years and you have your summative decision, you also have a decision to make about whether or not you start a new five-year cycle with the LKA. The, so if the decision is coming for the 2025 year, in 2026, you're going to have an assessment due and a choice to make whether you continue the LKA or you decide to switch and move to the traditional tenure MOC exam. 
Great. Thank you so much, everyone, for those explanations. Since there aren't any further questions in the chat and for the interest of time, since we're almost at two o'clock, um, I wanted to thank our presenter, Florence Mickens from ABIM, as well as all the ABIM representatives who are here on the call with us today, as well as our three discussants, Dr. Evans, Dr. Tinoe, and Dr. Asalobos, who has been so kind to join us today. Thank you so much for coming to today's webinar. Thank you.